Do you want to talk about books? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. The eyes, as blue as the birds in the willow pattern, looked up into mine as if staring out from dim and smoky past, as if there were some recognition in their depths, and then they died. I wish I could say my heart was stricken, but it wasn't. I wish I could say my instinct was to run away, but that would not be true. Instead, I watched in awe, savoring every detail, the fluttering fingers, the almost imperceptible bronze metallic cloudiness that appeared on the skin, as if, before my very eyes, it were being breathed upon by death. And then, the utter stillness. I wish I could say that I was afraid, but I wasn't. Quite the contrary. It was the most interesting thing that had ever happened to me in my entire life. The Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie by Alan Bradley These are the words of Flavia Deleuze after she witnesses a man take his dying breath. The man, much to the annoyance and consternation of the Deleuze family, expires in the cucumber patch of Buckshaw, their ancestral home. And as the man breathes his final breath, Flavia catches a hint of a familiar smell. And although she can't place the odor at first, she suspects the man was poisoned. The character of Flavia Deleuze is introduced in the book, The Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie. It is the first in a wonderful series of mystery novels featuring the 11-year-old sleuth. There are 10 in all, and we can only pray that there will be more to come. She is the delightful creation of Alan Bradley. Flavia's great passion is chemistry. A great uncle named Tarquin Deleuze converted the top floor of Buckshaw's East Wing into a laboratory, a chemist lover's paradise, and this is Flavia's personal domain. Flavia is equal parts precocious and mischievous, a brilliant sleuth, witty and holy and completely endearing. Joining her at Buckshaw are her father, Colonel Deleuze, a veteran of the Second World War, and an enthusiastic philatelist who would rather pour over a stamp collection than engage with his daughters and her two teenage sisters, Ophelia, a brilliant pianist, and Daphne, a misanthropic bibliophile with literary aspirations. Harriet, the wife of Colonel Deleuze and the girl's mother, is missing and presumed dead. She died when Flavia was a baby, before she had a chance to know her. Rounding out the inhabitants of Buckshaw are Dogger, a fellow veteran of the war who battles crippling PTSD, and a day cook, Mrs. Mullet, who is infamous among the Deleuze family, for her inedible custard pies. Later in the series, we meet many more delightful inhabitants of Bishop's Lacey, the village where Buckshaw is situated. Along with her penchant for chemistry, Flavia also has a propensity for finding herself in the middle of murder investigations. And for this, she is at constant odds and, on few occasions, begrudging partnership with the constabulary of Bishop's Lacey, especially one Chief Inspector Hewitt. Next to Flavia's chemical laboratory, Buckshaw is her most prized possession. Flavia and the whole Deleuze family, for that matter, 
are set apart from the rest of the village because of Buckshaw and their illustrious name. The Deluces may not have two pennies to rub together, their once grand fortune held precariously in limbo over the death taxes of Flavia's mother, but still they are a member of the aristocracy, and although that ancient symbol of class is slowly going the way of the dodo, the family's name is still held in high respect in Bishop's Lacey. Buckshaw is in its second iteration by the time Flavia and her family lived there. The first home was built in the Elizabethan era, but it was burned by unhappy villagers and it was rebuilt during the Georgian period. It is, of course, the perfect setting for a murder, and Flavia is all too eager when one comes her way. In the sweetness at the bottom of the pie, an old classmate of Flavia's father is murdered on the family's estate. To make matters worse, Flavia's father is suspected of committing the crime. Flavia overheard the two men arguing on the night the man was murdered. As Flavia sets out to clear her father's name, she discovers long-held secrets of her father's past and a decades-long murder, which might just be related to the present crime. Surprisingly, the key to solving the murder revolves around Colonel DeLuce's school days and two very rare and priceless stamps, and of course, Flavia's nascent knowledge of chemistry. My rereading of this gem of a book is responsible for a budding theory I have about mystery novels. I mentioned it briefly in my last episode with Sophie. It is that mystery novels are one of the ways in which the medieval idea of memento mori is depicted in our culture. Remember you shall die, warns the medieval artist. Likewise, the mystery genre reminds us how near death is to us all, placing it decidedly in our midst in cozy setting after cozy setting, always shedding light on the darker side of human nature. There's very little time for mourning in the mystery genre, because solving the murder takes precedence over grief. At first thought, this seems cold and calculated to view death at such a distance. If you listened to the last episode, you're familiar with my thoughts on this. But again, I must go back to that old phrase and the reality that for now at least, death is a part of life. This is certainly the case for the Deleuze family, where death's hand is never far off from their ancestral home of Buckshaw. Even before a dead body turns up in their cucumber patch, they are haunted by it. It is as though the spirit of Flavia's mother, Harriet, is ever-present. For them, as Flavia remarks to the reader, there were times when Harriet was not gone. She was everywhere. Colonel Deleuze has kept Harriet's old room as a shrine, Flavia and her sisters are not welcome in it, and Harriet's old Rolls Royce is kept in the garage and all are explicitly forbidden to drive it. Because of his grief and his years in combat during World War II, Flavia's father is aloof and distant to his three daughters. So even before Flavia finds the body of the victim, her world is tinged with death. It is a reality she lives with on a daily basis. It really isn't much of a surprise that she is barely phased when she does discover the body of the dead man. Now, this would normally seem like a macabre tale, if not for what else Alan Bradley includes in the sweetness at the bottom of the pie. Death and humor seem to be the strangest of bedfellows, but as you will see, the two meet in a perfect marriage in the book. And this is where you will find a marked difference in the Flavia de Luce mysteries to others in the genre. It is this refreshing sense of humor and sharp wit, which is largely due to the interior monologue of Flavia, that sets this mystery series apart. There are lines I chuckle over as I read, little witticisms and ingenious wordplay. Flavia, too, has a knack for finding herself in the most preposterous of situations, which are usually played for laughs 
and involved Flavia coming up with all sorts of inventive lies to talk her way out of them. And add to all this the most eccentric cast of supporting characters. It is as if the books are sprinkled with a touch of Jane Austen's wit and characters befitting a Dickens novel. But of course, it wouldn't be a mystery series without a little murder in the mix. And although the series is filled with humor in spite of its melancholic strain, it has a surprising amount to say about the dignity of human life, even for an unlikable wretch, like the man who was murdered at Buckshaw, one Horace Bonepenny. There is little about the man that is redeemable. He is a blackmailer, thief, and possible accomplice to murder. What is his death among so many innocent deaths that occur every day? Hasn't he received his just reward for all his crimes in life? Flavia's conclusion is that the man is deserving of death. She believes that her father is the murderer, but thinks he had a reason to kill him. And in spite of all Flavia's brilliancy, her words show that she is still a child desperate to save her father. Colonel Deleuze, who is at that moment being held in the local jail on suspicion of the man's murder, is wiser and stops her with these words. Horace Bonepenny was not particularly a decent man, but he did not deserve to die. No one deserves to die, Father said, his voice fading out like a distant broadcast on the shortwave. And I knew that he was no longer speaking only to me. There is already so much death in the world, he added. Flavia's father understands too well about the shadow of death, and after his years in the Pacific during the Second World War, how high a cost it is. And although, as I said before, it is something that is part of our life on this earth, Colonel Deleuze would never try to enact justice outside of the law. A person's life is too sacred for him to do such a thing. I haven't even touched on justice in this episode, but as I close, I want to revisit it briefly. I talked about how our desire for justice in the mystery genre are so closely entwined more extensively in my episode with Sophie. But my mom posed her own theory about mysteries and justice that I'd like to share because I think it brings an added layer to the conversation that I missed. It is that our desire for justice plays a small part in how deeply we yearn for the complete redemption and healing of this broken world. And when justice is served in these stories, it reminds us of the promise that all the horror that was unleashed with Adam will be set right with glory and complete restoration in the future. It is a hopeful thought, and one which I will continue to ponder as I cozy up with my beloved mysteries this fall. As for Horace Bonepenny, criminal and broken man that he was, in the end there is justice for him too. Of course, it is largely due to the help from the incorrigible and delightful Flavia Delis. I hope I've convinced you to give the sweetness at the bottom of the pie a try, but if you're still unsure if the book is for you, I hope these words will help. Read this book if you are fond of cozy mysteries, and read it if you like your cozy mysteries infused with a healthy dose of wit and humor. Read it if you are fond of precocious and lovable heroines who have a propensity for sleuthing and mischief. Read it for the delightful and eccentric cast of characters, the crumbling estate of Buckshaw included. Read it for the imaginative and macabre world that Alan Bradley created, and stand in awe of his mastery of the mystery genre. His story transcends age and has the ability to charm the young and old alike. And if you enjoy the sweetness at the bottom of the pie, be sure to read the other books in the series, all with equally ingenious names. The names of the books come from old poems and literature. 
They must be read in order. So if you hurry, you may make it to I Am Half Sick of Shadows by Christmas. It takes place at Christmas and would be a wonderful addition to your seasonal reading. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back next week to talk about my favorite mystery of all time, Gaudy Night by Dorothy Sayers. In the meantime, if you'd like to connect over the next week, I can sometimes be found on social media at WellReadBeth on Instagram and the WellReadLife Facebook group. And if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast in general, would you please consider leaving a rating or review or telling a friend about it? It's a small way to get the word out about the podcast. Thanks so much. And until next time.